0: Keeping it real on
1: Welcome to Between Two Femmes with myself, Mabale Molloy, and my co-host, Aspasia Karas, who is all the way in Cape Town. Aspasia Hello. Oh, yes, Hello, I can Mabale. hear you. We're
2: we'll trying
1: this today. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit tricky to see if you and I can do one show without actually being in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's
2: a podcast that I quite love. Um... It's called like conversations between girls or something. Mm-hmm. And they also do it. Um, they're in two different cities. So there you go.
1: Well, I mean, with the wonders of technology, this, this kind of thing isn't really that much of an issue. So, you know, I've got you on Skype and I'm here in the studio at headquarters, Cliff Central headquarters. How do I
2: sound? Do I sound
1: clear? Yes, you do. You sound crystal clear. It's great. Crystal clear. That's fantastic. But now <laughs> tell me, As-Mosia, what are you, mm. are you eating? I'm eating some chocolate. <laughs> Apparently, it's caffeinated chocolate. No, you see, don't think that's that... That's how crystal clear it is. Don't think <laughs> that just because I can't see you, that I won't be able to pick things up. You're munching away on some chocolate. Mm. Tell me, why are you in Cape Town? Caffeinated chocolate. I'm here for work.
0: I'm
2: here for work, love.
1: Uh, Yeah, you know what? That's, that's how we roll. Still, your work still sounds like a lot of fun because you get to jet set all over the place. Um, mm. We've got an exciting. Next week we're going to
2: try this from Paris.
1: Oh well, look at you, Mademoiselle. <laughs> um, you know what? Let's not waste any time. Let's get straight Let's into not. into the women's news.
2: So it's the women's news, <laughs> and I thought we should start with uh, Rachel. Dolezal? Is that how you say it?
1: Rachel Dolazal, Oh, yes. Everybody she, has had something to say about Rachel Dolazal.
2: Is she black? Is she white?
1: Does it matter that she self-identifies black, as black? People comparing uh, her to Caitlyn Jenner. If we're if we're accepting of Caitlyn Jenner, then why are we not accepting of Rachel Dolazal? Except that, in truth, it seems to me that quite a
2: lot of the things that she said... Have been kind of fraudulent, and she, she obviously, people need uh, all sorts to take up the cause, especially given the state of race relations in America, especially after last night and the Charleston disaster. I mean, what is going on in America? But
1: well, what 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 is going
2: on in Rachel Dolezal's head? What are some
1: of the things that she said? Do you remember?
2: Oh, she said that, um, she is the, that biologically she has, um, all sorts of blood rolling in her, in her body, <laughs> which her parents categorically re- deny. Her brother has said her brother, who's an adopted brother, wants her to, who is black, um, wants her to go for a DNA test. But most interestingly, she's got that weave on her head, which is really beautiful, which she's conceded is a
1: weave. Yes, because, I mean, her hair is not growing out of her roots like that. That's not the right uh, texture for Caucasian hair, is it?
2: It is so interesting. I mean, it's interesting, and it's raised a lot of, I think, issues. Well, for, for. Yeah. You know, people all over the world, specifically here in South Africa.
1: What have you got? Well, well, before we move away from Rachel Dolazal, oh, let, okay. let me, let me go through some of the opinions of uh, some of the more influential people in America. We might not know them necessarily here at home because, you know, they're either bloggers or journalists or whatever. Hmm. But let me give you two different points of view coming from some of the influential people in America. Jess Rao said, I hope the reason Rachel Dolezal is gripping America is because we're taking the moment to consider the absurdity um, um, and psychological violence of racism. Okay, Mm. so that's one point of view. And then there is a woman called Sophia Nelson who who takes this standpoint. She says this kind of imitation is not a form of flattery. It's modern-day blackface. It's a costume. It's a cheap imitation. So this woman, she is a black woman. Mm. She's not very impressed with Rachel Dollazole. She is not impressed. with so, I mean,
2: And I think for me, what I read was that, and I thought this was one of the best opinions, which was that simply, you know, as a black person, you have no choice. That is your heritage. That is what you have to live with. Whereas...
1: Well don't make it sound like it's a it's a it's a hard thing to live yeah, well, with I mean, it like is a it's this burden a white to
2: comes into your church and kills everybody in a race related crime
1: mm, which is what's happened in Charleston yes. overnight yes um and yeah.
2: and and especially just given what goes on in the states where there is a lot of racial profiling and people you know if you're a black man in America you are likely to be stopped in the street, and well, well you're be- likely to be
1: shot, <laughs> shot exactly. dead. So,
2: like, I mean, never mind. Stopped. You stopped in your track, yeah, dead. Yeah. So that's the story. Yeah,
1: I think I think this one is going to be an ongoing uh, topic of conversation. I just mm. found it interesting because you know a couple of weeks ago, um, Tom Hanks' son. Um, you know, he goes around, uh, speaking in a specific way that is common among rappers, African American yeah. rappers in the States. You know, he drops the N-word here and there. And people were saying to him, stop doing this. Stop, you know, behaving like an idiot. But with this, with this incident, it's, you know, it's, well, it's, it's like Madonna. Madonna <laughs>
2: also dropped the N-word and people said no. Oh,
1: well, you know, we've had this conversation. It's, it's, it's kind we of like how, how, how women feel about, chocolate. How women feel about the B word. Like men should not call women, you know, the B word, but it's, mm. oh, it's, well, it's okay if we use it, but um,
2: she's fascinated me yeah, look, all week I've been reading.
1: Let's, let's keep our eye on this one because I have a feeling it's mm. not going to end just yet. But in other news, as for Sia, um, you know, you look at celebrities, Hollywood stars, uh Jennifer Lopez, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, and all mm-hmm. these, you know, all these amazing women who, who are popping out babies. Later in their years, like in their, in their 40s, late 30s. Yes. <laughs> are you sick? Are you Excuse sick me. You? And now scientists have actually come to the fore and they're saying, everybody calm down. All these celebrities who are having babies in their later years are actually giving the rest of us the wrong impression, thinking that you can have babies in your later years. They're saying that actually uh, many of the celebrities who parade these miracle babies mm. did not get pregnant naturally. And some of them even use donor eggs. And scientists and doctors are very adamant about this thing, this perception that's been created that, oh, well, you know, there's no need for me to rush to have babies in my 20s or 30s. I can do it in my 40s. Jennifer Lopez did it at age 40 whatever. But actually scientists are saying, no, 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 no. Put the brakes there on here. There is
2: a time frame. Yeah. Is that what she's saying?
1: Well, they're basically saying, just don't think that it's as <laughs> that easy. biological
2: clock is ticking. <laughs>
1: Just don't think it's as easy as the celebrities are making it look, because a lot of the time they've had a lot of help. They're doing it through IVF, which they can afford, which us normal folks can't necessarily afford. And also they're using donor eggs, which is also a costly procedure in itself. Very.
2: On a, on a tangent, but in a similar veil, vein, the male pull is coming. Oh. Uh, apparently it's due to hit the
1: shelves in 2018. Well, it's about time.
2: <laughs> well, it will be interesting if men are adopters. Apparently 50% of men will be prepared to try this. And it's called Vasyl Gel. Uh-oh. And it's basically non-hormonal. And what they do is that they inject it under local anesthetic and it lasts for years. And it basically goes into a man's sperm, uh, tubes, the sperm carrying tubes and blocks the sperm. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like a chemical vasectomy. But it's reversible.
1: Ooh! And you see, I as soon as as soon as a man has vasectomy, he's his his balls are probably going to shrink a little bit, retract inwards, because, you know, they're very afraid of that whole prospect they're very of afraid. their they're very swimmers, afraid, but their swimming.
2: The fact that it's non-hormonal, I think, so it won't impact on their actual uh hormones like the pull impacts on women is is fascinating. I mean, I think it's amazing that they've gone to that kind of length of research,
1: mm-hmm. and I think it will change. It's a game changer. It's
2: a game changer, my buddy.
1: No, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, you know, <laughs> before condoms, it, 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 all the responsibility pretty much was on the woman to, to avoid, you know, unwanted pregnancies. And I mean, that's such a heavy burden to carry around. So, so I think- I mean,
2: before condoms, uh, apparently the condoms are like ancient. People have been using like sort of weird, um, intestines of sheep for years.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> to yes. To
2: various effects. Yeah,
1: this is, this is hardly surprising to me. Um I'm sure if we, if we tracked the history of the development of the condom, uh, we would come across some pretty interesting things. But um <laughs> you know what uh let's let's wrap it up there with the women's news now let's quickly talk about what's coming up next on the on the show Aspasia, because we've got a pretty a pretty exciting show coming up uh, uh one of the bigger the biggest news stories here at home was that surrounding uh Sudanese president Omar al bashir who mm-hmm. came into the country. And, uh, there was a court order put out to have him arrested and the presidency decided against having him arrested and he went back safely home. That's been a huge story. So who are we talking to today with regards to this?
2: We are speaking to the organization that basically organized it, that has kept, um, that, that attempted to keep, um, al-Bashir here and the woman who is in charge of it. And here we go with more pronunciation. You go first.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, okay. No, thanks. You're going to put this one solely on me. Uh, I've got, I've got joining us on the line now. Uh, we've got Kar- 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 Kajal Ramachthan Kio. Kar- God, I hope I didn't butcher that. Uh, Kajal, can you hear me? I can, madam. Hello. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so Kajal, much. Kajal,
2: how do you actually pronounce your name?
3: <laughs> it's
1: Kajal. Ramjathan Keo. Ramjathan Keo. Um Kajal, thank yes. you for joining us this afternoon. Um as I mentioned, this has been a big story in the news uh throughout the last several days. Um firstly, let's begin with you, Kajal, because you work for the um Southern African Litigation Center. Yes, you work for the Southern African that right. Right. The Southern African Litigation Center. Why don't you just uh, begin by telling us what exactly it is that the Southern African Litigation Center does in terms of the nature of work that you do and the kind of cases that you deal with.
4: Yeah, sure. So the Southern African Litigation Center is a regional human rights NGO based in Johannesburg. We were established in 2005, so 2015 is quite significant. It's our 10th birthday this year. We are a regional organization, so we do work in the SADC, countries, primarily in 10 set of countries and um, Botswana, Namibia, Zambia, Zimbabwe those are the countries that we primarily operate in South Africa is not a high priority country for South mm. but all, all our international criminal justice work operates out of South Africa
2: Kajal I mean the Al-Bashir case um has certainly put South Africa um and your organisation on on the on the international map again and probably not for the right reasons. Although I read an article in the Time magazine today that said that actually you had struck a brilliant blow for yes. retributive justice um and that you'd you'd put it back on the map. But tell us a bit of why. Why why were you so desirous of keeping Why that Why did we intervene? Yes. Here?
4: Well, there are two international arrest warrants from the ICC out for Bashir, and nobody has been able to arrest him or to get him to appear before the International Criminal Court till now. Um, South Africa, as a signatory to the Rome Statute, has an obligation to arrest anybody who for whom they are, these arrest warrants. We were very concerned about Bashir's arrival, and several weeks ago we wrote to the South African government to say to them, if this man arrives in the country, you're obliged to arrest him, please can you let us know what your plans are? And we didn't receive any kind of response which told us whether or not they were planning to intervene or to do anything. And then there was the whole situation of will he arrive, won't he arrive, which went on for a couple of days. Mm. And we were quite certain that he would not actually arrive. And, you know, we thought it was quite foolish of the Sudanese authorities to clear his travel to South Africa when there were all of these, when there were Mm -hmm. all of these arrest warrants hanging over his head. So when he did eventually arrive, we received no confirmation for a very long time and it was very late on Saturday night that we decided to proceed with the case. We filed the case in the Pretoria High Court at ten o'clock Saturday night and asked uh, asking to be heard on Sunday and then there followed a series of delays on the on behalf of the state, trying to delay the hearing of the matter, and eventually we've only heard Monday afternoon, and we were heard when it was actually too late late. and Bashir was already on a plane flying back to Sudan. So, I mean, the case sets a very important precedent in that it shows that any country who is a signatory to all of these conventions must comply with their international obligations. So Africa tried to squirm out of their... Obligations and were not able to do it, and a, a far bench of the High Court has confirmed this position, which is fantastic for international law and for international criminal justice law. And the net around Bashir is closing, and closing quite quickly around him. And he may not be able to travel to many countries because of what has happened in this particular case. And even though we didn't get him arrested, we do have a very strong court order which shows that the judicial process is independent. We are encouraged by the response of the court, but we are deeply disappointed in the actions of the state in allowing Bashir to escape. And this is a failing of the state, and they need to accept 100% responsibility for this, and the Department of Home Affairs in particular.
1: Kajal, help me understand here, because, um, I mean, you're making it sound as if by the time the court order came through, he'd already left the country, but a very strong point of conversation... um, Uh, Today has been how the, the, the office of the presidency actually defied that court order. Is that in fact true? Did the, did the presidency defy the court order? And, and what Um, are, what are the repercussions? What are the repercussions of doing that? Because surely there, there has to be, uh, some sort of repercussion for defying the court.
4: Just to explain how the process operated. On Sunday morning, we got the first interim court order which said that he must not be allowed to leave the country. On on Sunday afternoon, we got the second interim court order, which said that Home Affairs must get in touch with all the ports of entry and exit and let them know that they must not allow Bashir to leave the country. And it was the second interim court order which was not complied with. Even though we only argued the matter on Monday afternoon, and a final order was handed down on Monday afternoon. The state has not complied with the interim court order because they allowed him to leave the country before the matter was argued and finalized.
2: Now, Kajal, I mean, I think the thing that that, uh, people have been saying is, well, the ICC focuses on African leaders, and that's why... Um, they're, they they do not want to be signatories anymore. The, a, the, a, the ANC is specifically arguing that they don't want to be signatories to this thing because yes. this is what has been happening is a big focus on African leaders. Um, and yet yes. and the people who actually, it was mostly African leaders who came out and said that Al, this al-Bashir had done terrible things and needed to be brought to book. Absolutely. So it's kind of Absolutely. a contradiction in
4: terms. Well, South Africa, South Africa um, it was one of the first countries to sign on to the Rome Statute. And this was at the time of Nelson Mandela. South Africa didn't have any objections, didn't raise any reservations. They signed on because they were happy to sign on. Um, and being a signatory means that you have obligations. People are raising criticism, such as the ICC is biased against African leaders. It's, it's really a biased opinion. If African leaders don't protect their people, and if African leaders kill and display hundreds and thousands of people in their countries, they must be held accountable. And this is precisely what Bashir stands accused of. And he needs to face up to those charges all of the cases which are brought before the ICC are brought before countries which which raise these problems before the International Criminal Court. And it's African countries who are raising these concerns before the court, and they are therefore obliged to investigate. So the International Criminal Court is looking to protect African victims of wars and conflicts mm-hmm. and from individuals like war criminals
1: like Mr. Bashir, Kajal uh, Ramjathan, CEO of the Southern Africa Litigation Centre. Thank well, you, thank darling, you very well, much darling, for. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you uh, very much for joining us this afternoon and just shedding some light for us on the situation. And we appreciate the good work that you and the rest of your team do at the Southern Africa lit- uh, Litigation Centre, fighting for human rights. Thank you very much, Kajal.
2: Thank you, Kajal. Thanks,
1: Mabale. Bye bye. Fantastic. You have a good day. All right. Well, uh coming up next to for we're going to be joined by the founder and CEO of the Tomorrow Trust. We've got Kim Norman joining us in just a short while and we're going to be talking about the Tomorrow Trust, what it is exactly that they do and just uh, learning more about people who really go out of their way uh to help others, you know. It's a good news story. It's
2: a good news story because I thought in light of Youth Day, essentially they are working on the sort of the, the The cases of children who are AIDS orphans that's that's exactly who they target. and I mean everyone says that it's just so hopeless. AIDS orphans are the thing that like gives us the greatest sadness when you think about who who is the like sort of most unlucky lot in the world. It's like the poor AIDS orphans, yeah, raising themselves and what have you. And actually, this story is a good news story because it sounds like actually
1: there's such hope. Right, so we're going to find out more about the Tomorrow Trust next on Between Two Femmes. Ah, see... This is this is very frustrating. Sorry, I'm meant to be pressing buttons in here, but nothing is happening. So please don't be angry with me, okay? All right, let's see if Aspasia is still with us through Skype. Aspasia, are you still here? Right? i my back. Fantastic, back. great. Okay. All right, let's let's get on with it. We've got we've got the founder and CEO of Tomorrow Trust, the Tomorrow Trust, joining me in studio now, Kim Norman. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Hi. How are you? Thanks okay. Hello, no, Kim. Hang on. Sorry. Hi, Let me just. Oh no! Okay, sorry. Let's try that again. Sorry, I didn't have your microphone on. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kim. Hi, Aspasia. How are you? How's Cape Town, Kim? Cape Town
2: is
1: lovely today. I
2: have to say, it looks like summer here. Oh, Mm. I'm
1: sorry. So you guys are not feeling the cold like we are here in Joburg. Nothing.
2: Nothing. What? Very beautiful. No.
1: You see, you need to. (laughs) All right. Well, that's fine. That's okay. Um. Kim, you are the founder and CEO of the Tomorrow Trust, and I imagine, I suspect that there might be quite a number of people who've probably never heard of the Tomorrow Trust. So why don't you take us right back to the beginning when you f- when you started it?
0: Thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Aspasiam. Um, Tomorrow Trust I started almost 10 years ago after being in the nonprofit world at that stage for 14, 15 years, always in human rights and education. And what came to me was really so many of our children were faced with a situation where they were set up for failure as they walked into school in grade R, which then didn't allow them to be numerate, literate. They couldn't get skills, let alone if they passed grade 12 or matric with seven distinctions, there was still nowhere that they could get support in South Africa. So the idea really at that stage was for tertiary to support orphan and vulnerable children. But by the time the students would come to us after school their marks wouldn't allow them to get into university because of their bad schooling that they've had in the system in the government schools in South Africa so we then went back to grade 10 and then further back right the way through to grade R so Tomorrow Trust goes the entire holistic integrative journey of the child on an educational level and holistic support from grade R through to grade 12 and then into college and university and then we still work with the alumni who are now working at Price Waterhouse and Procter and Gamble and Norton Rose, um, doctors, nurses, etc. Kim,
2: uh, are these children the most vulnerable of the lot? Is that
0: yes, they are. These are the children that would sit at home doing nothing because there was no one to assist them um, at all stages of their life. So they would be set up for failure and literally. Um, I suppose, manifest that. It would be a self-serving manifestation. Um, With Tomorrow Trust, we tap into that potential and build them and develop them and work with them as a team in order for them to grow into who they should be and become part of the society, part
1: of the economy and break that generational poverty moving forward. We keep hearing about the importance of early childhood development, Kim, and you know, there's so many children in this country who from the day that they're born, they're already 10 steps behind everybody else who's maybe fortunate to have, fortunate enough to have both their parents who can afford to take them to school, not just primary school, but high school and university as well. I mean, just, just tell us about the importance of this early childhood development.
0: Well, the stats in South Africa show that the majority of our children, in fact, probably 80-90% in the entire um, social network of South Africa, are at least two grades behind where they should be, simply because systemically our education system has let them down. So when Tomorrow Trust starts working with each child, we have to assess each child individually and start bridging those gaps. Um, we also have a situation where a lot of the parents aren't educated properly. So when you talk about ECD and early childhood education, a lot of those parents cannot help their own children. Mm. So they're very reliant on a schooling system that works. And that's what sets everyone up for failure, from the parents right through to the children. If you're not in a private school, or you a know, top government school, then you really stand no chance at all. And so what do you do? Exactly, with these children. So from grade R through to grade 7, they bus out of the townships to change point of reference. So point of reference for them is poverty and struggle and failure where they come from. So we work with top private schools and top government schools, and we use their venues because they're not using them. And we bus the children out um, every school holiday and about ten Saturdays for the for the little ones, for the primary school children, they arrive. They get a full breakfast, a full lunch. We work with a nutritionist, so there's no pup, for instance, in the schools. It is all protein, fruit, vegetables, yogurt, etc. He's High sounding nutrition.
2: Like a Tim acolyte.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> no carbs.
0: <laughs> yes, rice and potatoes uh, and good carbs <laughs> good carbs I suppose yeah <laughs> um, and so what happens is then it's numeracy literacy fine motor cohort, computer literacy we've got little laptops and to give you a scary scat a stat in South Africa there's approximately sixty to seventy percent of our children are illiterate in grade six. If you're illiterate in grade six, you can't do anything because you can't read or write.
1: This is true.
0: The children in our Tomorrow Trust programs, and we're not with them every day per se because they go to their normal schools, we're sitting with over an 85% literacy rate, and that's just in the primary school. Then the program shifts in high school, and from grade eight to grade 12, they sign contracts with us. It becomes much more serious. We do the serious academics. We do psychometric like a, a metric exams to see exactly where the strengths and weaknesses are we do a lot of career guidance we do a lot of self-development and if the children join us in grade 10 they join at 35 percent mark because that's a pass mark in our schools Mm -hmm. last year out of 72 grade 12 matric students we got 94 distinctions uh, we got over an 86% university pass rate wow. of children who were getting 35%. So the potential is enormous.
1: Now, Kim, you mentioned uh bussing these children out during school holidays and on Saturdays. So it sounds like the Tomorrow Trust... Supplements the, the education that these kids are already receiving, you know, going to school on a normal day to day basis.
0: Exactly. And it's the same children that come to us year in and year out. So we, our grade, um, eight, nines and tens have been with us since they were babies, grade R and grade one. So then we really have a look and say, okay, what are the gaps? How do we build them in order to tap into their full potential? So, yes, Saturdays, every Sunday, every school holiday, they've been coming, dedicated, committed.
2: (laughs) Tell us a a few of the the really feel-good stories because you were telling me uh, um, a number of these stories that were truly touching. I was hoping we could have some of those girls. Yes,
0: Carabo is waiting to be called in. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to tell her story because she can do that herself. But a couple of others just in the high school program. Uh, Godfrey joined us in grade 10 with 22% for maths. He got 100% for maths and 90% for physics in grade 12. He is now second-year math stats at WITS and acing it. Um, Zanele joined us 35% um, aggregate in grade 10. She got eight distinctions in grade 12. She's third-year engineering at Pretoria University in our post-secondary department. Um In nine Hello. years in 9 years we've got 161 alumni working at price waterhouse they're doctors they're driving their own cars they're all over the country working in our
1: top companies and so we're very very proud of them um and these are our leaders um we're trying to get a hold of garabo leopeng who is one of the students who um who went through your program but um l- before we get to her kim um I-, I mean with the kind of work that you do how, on, on what scale is the Tomorrow Trust operating? Is it on a national scale or are you currently just based in some provinces but not all of them? I mean, what scale are you guys operating so on? So
0: the holiday Saturday school program, we're in the greater Gauteng and Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Um, for the university and college students, we're national. We've got 2,000 uh, beneficiaries from grade R all the way through. Uh, we've decided on a board level to go very deep and very longitudinal. We want to make sure that the impact is sustainable. We don't want to be a flash in the pan. And so tomorrow trust is very intensive and it's very committed and dedicated to every individual child that we take on in order for them to be ready and go out in the world we do a lot of workshops around self mastery self consciousness awareness who are you what impact do you want to make and all the How good do stuff. you
2: choose the children?
0: Nice question. Thanks, Aspasio. Well, we very big into partnership. We get a lot of our children from the care organizations who are doing the food parcels and the school uniforms because it's unsustainable for them. There are more and more kids coming into their program. So we become the educational arm as well as we work with the township schools very closely. So they know who are the children on the government feeding schemes, etc. And so that's a school-going program. And then for University College, we are just inundated with applications mm. from all over. So to give you an idea, number one and number three, the top students in third-year medicine at WITS are Tomorrow Trust students.
1: Oh my word. They're from
0: Limpopo. And so we are inundated at the moment with medical students because they all look at our kids and go, okay, well, who's helping you?
1: Oh, that's and fantastic. Then, so we've got
0: medical students applying right now. Uh, we've got nine Golden Keys this year, which are the top, top students internationally, can, actually. Oh my oh. word. So, yes, these are the good, feel good stories.
1: Let me bring Garabo Lio into this conversation. Garabo, can, can you, you hear me? <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. Uh,
3: uh, hello, Garabo, can you hear me? Hello, I guess I can hear you. Oh, oh.
1: fantastic. Garabo, um, it's good to have you joining us this afternoon. Um, I just wanted to to get you to tell us, to share with us your experience of having been part of the Tomorrow Trust. How old were you when you found out about Tomorrow Trust and when you you joined with them?
3: Um, I joined Tomorrow Trust in my matric year. I was 18 at the time. You were how old? I was 18. It was in my okay. matric year. Yes.
1: And um, Karaba, I mean, maybe just, just give us some insight into the kind of difficulties that you were facing maybe at home with your parents. I mean, what what kind of difficulties were you facing as an 18-year-old matriculant trying to pass and to get through school before the Tomorrow Trust came along?
3: Yeah, okay. Um. I started with Tomorrow Trust at least when I was 18, but prior to that, I was... Studying on my own because I, I, mean, I didn't have access to education because of the circumstances at home. We had adopted a little boy, which um, took away my mom had to make the choice between my education and his education. He went to school, and I studied on my own for four years in high school. So when I made tomorrow trust, I uh, I just um, registered for matric as an independent student. And not having gone to high school, I obviously, it is quite hard to get groceries out there. And Maritress was there and gave me a degree. That
2: is amazing.
1: And Garabo, I mean, then you went on to, to Technicon or to university. Um, what did you study and, and what are you doing these days? I mean, just, just.
3: Um, I got a degree in economics and finance. I've, I've worked in corporate finance for the past five years. I've actually taken leave from corporate now, and i have just Tomorrow Trust in the management team. Wow! So I've actually become back home.
1: <laughs> Kim, I imagine that happens a lot. Is you get a lot of uh, young people who benefited from Tomorrow Trust, and once they are successful and established, going back home, as they would say, that, that that probably happens a lot for you.
0: Well, what's happened is that they call it the Tomorrow Trust family. We become their family. And so that is very, very important. When they do go out and they find their feet and they're earning a living and become independent, they then become mentors to the younger ones. Because our children in South Africa need positive role models. And where our children come from, generally they don't have that. They don't know what it means in order to make their dreams come true. So someone like Karob is very important. Out of 15 staff members, time staff members five of them are alumni
3: Hmm.
0: which shows how they can really feel that they can make a difference giving back so karaba's left the corporate world and for her to come in and i walk in every day and see her face and she's gone through the process she sat on our board of trustees is just so it's it's a blessing i'm very grateful
3: karaba why did you leave the corporate world So, you know, I wanted to to do something that was meaningful, you know, waking up every day and going to a place where you know where him is. My has been such a learning experience and I've seen what a a difference it's done to so many people's lives and being able to be part of that on a daily basis is so refreshing, it's so important because at the end of the day, what you have is your soul and what you give to the world and for me... This is one place where I can give up myself fully and I know that I'm affecting so many people's lives.
1: Now, I want to ask you both this question, Garaba. I'll start with you because I think there are a lot of us who sit and love to complain about things but we don't actually get up and do something to help the next person. You know, we're very focused on our problems and what things are difficult Mm -hmm. in our Mm -hmm. own lives. So, Garaba, let me begin by asking you, why is this kind of work so important to you? Why what is it that, that drives you to care about the next person or the next child when most of us really just go about our daily lives not not even lifting a finger? Why is this kind of thing so important to you?
3: It's because we're all connected, you know. Um the crime rates in our country don't just are not scared because you know, I'm focused on myself. So immediately when you educate one child, when you help the next person, it directly affects you. So for me, um, it's very important to understand that we're all connected. Our country, everyone's connected. We all live in this world. And we can only make it better by helping the next person. Me focusing on myself alone is not going to change the state of our economy. They're not going to change our crime rates. It's not going to change our literacy rates. So it's... The fundamental point is that we're all connected, and we all need to
1: affect each other. And for you, Kim, why why give of yourself as much as you have? I mean, you know, ten years running,
3: what so, is what does it all
1: mean for you?
0: I've been in non profit for twenty four years, mm-hmm. and I have two children, one of twenty four and one of twenty eight. And if I want them to live in a better world. You
2: have to see her to believe this, because <laughs> she really does not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> possibly, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. She possibly have. Thanks. for um, But for me, it's about if I want my children to grow up in a better world, I have to get involved and make it a better world. I can't just sit back, as you say, and just let it roll by and pretend that everything's okay. So that's the one point. The second point is for me and my nature, I cannot see an issue and then just turn my back. I can't see children suffering. I can't see my country going down and just pretend that, gee, this is not my problem. It is our problem. It's all of our problems. Mm. And people don't have to make it a a 24/7 thing like I have and make it their life, but if everyone does their one bit, like having a coffee with a spasi and she's saying, "Kim, can I interview and get the story out?" She did her bit. Yeah. You know, if we can all just do that, we make the world a better place. You know, smiling at someone or just doing you a see, small thing. Now it's
2: off my chest. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Um, since leaving hey, the- Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, since leaving the corporate world and now you're firmly back at home with the Tomorrow Trust and the, the kind of plans that you might have in mind going forward, um, I mean, do you plan on, on staying with the Tomorrow Trust and just growing it even further? Um, is this going to be the final destination for you or are you, you know, um, what, what are your plans for, for tomorrow?
3: Um, I don't think it's my final destination, but it's the place where I'm going to be for a very, very long time. There's so much to do here. There's (laughs) so much potential in the world. So I plan to be here for some time and making as much difference and change and bringing myself into this organization as much as I can.
1: Uh, fantastic. Garabu, thank you for sharing with us, uh, this afternoon. I am gonna let you go because the, the phone line that we've got here is not, uh, is not the clearest. So I am mm. gonna let you go, but thank you for joining us, uh, this afternoon and keep on doing the good work that you've, that you're doing with the Tomorrow Trust. How thank am I you.
2: sounding, Mabzi? <laughs>
1: Thank you so Thanks, much. Karabo. How
2: sound? No, you sound
1: fine, Aswatiya. You <laughs> sound you sound, sound crystal I'm clear. A bit
2: invasive, invasive but
1: fine. <laughs> <laughs> um Kim, I did want to ask you though. Um with all the work that you do and the resources that you make available to these kids? Who funds all of this? How do you guys go about? Do you raise money? Do you, uh, how how does the funding process work?
0: Yes, we, I run around and I meet people constantly and I raise as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. We're turning away hundreds and hundreds of kids due to a lack of finance. So, um, you know, that's another thing. How do people get involved? Yeah. You know, it's not, you don't have to have thousands. You don't have to be a millionaire. If someone donates 50 rand a month or 100, You know, per month that pays for something. We don't scoff at anything and it's so easy because you just go onto the website or you email us and you you can donate. There's mentorship programs. You know, people like to get involved and give of themselves. You can be a mentor. You can be a tutor. You know, you could be, you could have studied communications or accountancy or law and come back and mentor and you know, you know, help one of our university students or Mm. the babies or something. So the fundraising is a very big part of what we do and what we have to do. Uh, We're very fortunate in this country that we have a law where corporates have to give 1% of their money away to us. Mm. That really helps the cause.
1: Which is such a big investment if you consider what you guys specifically as an organization are doing with that money. Exactly, exactly. And what we do...
0: Um, is is so enormous because it is not only for these individual children. This is about our economy and society, that when you take a child off a grant and they then become self-supporting, they're earning a salary, they're giving back to the economy, they're giving back to society, they become self-supporting and sufficient and reliable and responsible, and that's how we build a country. Kim, (laughs) my question is,
2: Is it enough to just impact on, say, 75 children a year, given the huge quantities of unemployed youth that we face? I mean, I thought that was the most stark statistic that we were dealing with this youth day, was that something like 35 or 40% of youth are unemployed.
0: Mm. Exactly, Espasia. I totally agree with you. Is it enough that we have 2,000 on Tomorrow Trust books? No, it's not enough. But we had to make a decision. So we don't number crunch. We want to make sure that we have an intense intervention. And that is how each individual goes through Tomorrow Trust. There are a lot of programs that only do a grade 10 program and and it's good, but for us, that's not sustainable impact. On top of that, we're not government. The only way mm. you're going to impact an entire country is through government and governmental programs. Um, but we are one at a time, which adds up to two thousand, yeah. impacting those lives and those families. If you think of it, that every one of those children has about five or six people in their family, you know, then that impacts much more and we encourage our children to give back to their communities. So our high school kids come to us on a Saturday and then on a Monday they go back to their school and teach the children who are not in the program and that we can't even monitor, but we hope that we are touching thousands above what we actually know.
1: And so Kim, how do we then all of us, all of us, every single one of us, how do we grow um, an organization like tomorrow trust so that you're operating, you know, in every little corner of this country where you are so obviously needed how do we begin to grow and to do that as a, as a collective unit? Get
0: involved. Drop us an email. Get onto our website, www.tomorrow.org.za, and tell us what you can do and what you want to do. We partner all the time with a lot of people, but it's going to be up to you to want to get involved. And please bear in mind, it sounds very cool, and it's very nice to have to be working with orphan and vulnerable children but these are children's lives. Mm. So if you make a commitment, make sure you follow through on your commitment. Don't come in and decide, well, your life is too busy and then you move away from it. Make a commitment because I promise you something now, they will touch your lives and your lives will change just as much as theirs.
1: And speaking of that, Kim, I mean, you, you mentioned that these are children's lives, but their lives must also affect you in, in the strongest way possible. I mean, I can imagine that there are days where you just – Maybe your heart is just too heavy and too sore. And you think to yourself, I can't believe that children are suffering as much as they are in this country.
0: You know, the world can seem a very dark place. Mm. And then I walk into my office and I see my team. I've got the most phenomenal team. I couldn't wish for anything better. And I look at our children who are in the program and I go, this is why I'm doing it. So it doesn't matter how dark I see things. What they're facing on a daily basis Mm -hmm. doesn't even touch what I'm going through. And if I can give to them, I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful that they've given me an opportunity to be part of their lives and their journey.
2: Wow. We've spoken to two women who have so inspired me today. I must say, moms.
1: No, absolutely. I feel that too. You know, I, I, I mean, I did say earlier that most of us, uh, most of us won't be, won't, won't bother to even lift a finger. Um, and so it's good to be reminded of people like yourself, Kim, and the, the, the Tomorrow Trust. It's good to be reminded of the real important things in this world. You know, we keep talking about the future of this country and how it lies with the children. And if, if we're not putting in that extra effort to take care of these children and to make sure that they have the absolute best available to them, then there is no future in this country.
0: And can I add to that? You asked me about the children and about the journey. But I think for each person, don't just do it for the children. Do it for yourselves. When you look at your life and go, is my life filled with meaning? Like when I really lie on that bed at the end of it, Mm. have I had a life of meaning? Because that's where happiness comes from. Happiness comes from a life of meaning. And that's what you should strive for.
1: Well, we'll take your word for it, Kim, because you've been providing <laughs> happiness for well over 20 <laughs> years now, so. <laughs> yeah, meaning
2: we got Kim onto the show. <laughs> uh,
1: Kim Norman, founder and CEO of the Tomorrow we Trust. We to
2: cuddle earlier on, we've got meaning.
1: Yes, <laughs> we, we, yes, we did, Just one last time that, uh, your, your website address, Kim, for anybody who'd like to go in there and getting, get involved immediately. So it's dot O-R-G dot Z-A. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Um, and good luck with the rest of your, of your work with the Tomorrow thank Trust. Thank you so much. Um, it's Thanks, great. Kim. It's, it's, Thanks it's, it's great to hear wonderful success stories coming out of people putting in effort to do such good work. So thank you very much for all that you do. Thank you. All right. Um, that's where you and I are going to leave it. So tell me about not next week not Thursday. Not are you back in the studio <laughs> next week Thursday?
2: No, next week Thursday, I'm in Paris. Do you think we should try <laughs> this again in Paris?
1: <laughs> I can't believe you. You're such a jet setter. tell you
2: what the weather is
4: like.
1: <laughs> why don't you get me because as your, Conference. why don't you convince the people to get me as your plus one for Paris? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's why we'll leave it for this week. Be sure to join us again next week, Thursday for another edition of Between Two Femmes right here on CliffCentral.com. Get a taste of the Republic of Extra Cold at the Embassy event on the 27th of June at Nasrick, Johannesburg. This epic event will raise the flag for extraordinary experiences with boys and bucks, casper in your vest, and many more. With only 4,000 tickets on offer, get yours now for only 200 rand at ticket, or visit carselite.co.za for more information on the coolest events this winter.
4: Unlock Extra
1: Cold Refreshment. Enjoy responsibly. Not for sale to persons under the age of 18.
4: Cliff Central the dotcom